Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Peace family is 19 Keys with the 19 Keys podcast. You're listening to a high-level conversation. Tap in. All right, a word from one of our sponsors. Make sure you tap into Goldwater Products. After you come listen to the information, you're going to need your memory stimulated so you can download everything in that prefrontal cortex. You want to make sure that hippocampus area of your brain that regulates mood, memory, and learning is fully functional and tapped in. Therefore, you want to tap into Goldwater. They have smart malls, sports malls, vitamin C malls, colloidal silver. They have just about everything that you, your child, and your whole entire family needs to stimulate your brain and your body and to make sure that your immune system is functioning. Before you tap into this great high-level conversation, listen to this song by Tezu Kulando called Goldwater. Black man from America. Hell yeah. Black man. I ain't talking about them half bakes. (laughs) That's been the argument lately. Ain't too many black men on planet Earth now. Out to four billion. Four hundred million. That's a rarity, man. Like Muhammad said, you might get a (laughs) hundred and forty four thousand. I can see why now. Shoot. No, because when you travel around, I mean that's why I keep telling everybody black ain't the it ain't your skin color, it's your mind color. Cause everybody think they can just get in just by being black skinned or brown skinned. It's a lot of times. Man, it's a lot of times. 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 So my interview, oh, you. Well, what was, uh, I'm just going to ask some general questions. All right, for sure. Get a sense of uh, some interesting things and get to know you a little bit more. How, how was uh, 19 Keys? How was he like as a young kid? Oh, how was it as a young, youngster? Uh, well, I got to think on that one, brother, because there's many faces. But Jabril was, I'm going to tell you what I remember most about Jabril. We got uh, invited to uh, Dr. Mahmoud's house. We used to run an apartment complex. He was a doctor, but he moved. And we became good friends, so he, but we went over there to have dinner, and they put this music on. And all of a sudden, I just seen Jabril just start dancing. <laughs> all that energy. It was good energy, though. It don't look like he was dancing all that good. But <laughs> the energy was good. I said, you know, I, that always stuck with me. But Jabril has always oh, been the type of individual. Uh, all my children are pretty much the same. They, they want to know. And they, they was tuned into the truth from day one because that's the way they was brought onto the planet Earth. You know, to, because when they was in the womb, see, they was being taught to teach the army Elijah Muhammad. And we would read the Quran, first words that they were taught was Allah. So all you had to do is say it into your child's ears, easy for them to say, Allah, Allah, Allah. And so they would learn those words. So they were brought up and the teacher army Elijah Muhammad, Boys would be boys. They got into a few little mischief, but I didn't really have any problems, real major problem with with them growing up because they was in a Muslim environment. Um, they was taught in the Elijah Educational Center. They was taught to have self-esteem because we'd have programs for the school every year. All the children in the school, Elijah Educational Center, they had to come before hundreds of people. Some just this high. First year, we had the program. You got governors, attorney generals, mayors, all these type of officials sitting out in the audience. And uh, first year, the Elijah Education Center, they had to put on their uh, event. 
come across the stage, they were a little bit nervous that first year, you know. But that second year, it was over with. They've been gone ever since. Just come and speak before hundreds of people. It helps develop self-esteem when you come before an audience of people you've never seen in your life when you're a child. That builds character and self-esteem where you can go before anybody on the planet Earth mm-hmm. and speak the truth. And that's what we're giving to them first and foremost. But I give most of the credit to their mother, mm. Baia, one of the best mothers on the planet Earth. That's true. You know, everything, when you have a family, brother, I'm going to tell you this. See, the black man got to plan his family. You just can't have a woman and say, this is the woman I want to have my child with. You got to plan the future for him. But by ear, she probably denied this. I took to see Minister Farrakhan at Armstrong University. And the rest is history. Because I wanted, even I hadn't even accepted Islam. But Islam is always in you. Whether you accept it or not at that time. And once she accepted Islam, then we started teaching our children. Islam, 24-7, the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Everybody on the planet Earth needs to study the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. It'll free your mind, and it'll free your behind up under this beast. You got to free the mind first. You know, that's what we producing, executors of the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. He said, after me, come the executors. Well, we all over now. You want to know where God at? We all over. Black man God. We all over the face of this planet Earth. We got a lot of black men, women, and children walking the planet Earth don't know who they are. That's why we losing. But in America, the teacher of Elijah Muhammad run the full bloom taught by Master Fraud Muhammad, the great Mahdi, who was to come and has come to restore the black man in America to his rightful place on this planet Earth. When it boils down, brothers, I know you asked me a question about my son, but this is all tied <laughs> in together. You know, it's going to come down between Master Fraud Muhammad and the teaching of Army Elijah Muhammad. This is what you see taking place in America today with this so-called Trumpism and all this racism that's being raised, brought back out. No one's really hiding it anymore. The only one talking about it pretty much is black people. White people are silent. The majority of them are silent on what's going on in America. But I openly speak about what's going on regardless whether you white or not. You need to hear the truth today because no way we can be continue to be mistreated in this country. And you and you afraid to speak around white folks? No, they should be speaking on our behalf. Mm. 400 years of this crap is over with, brother. That bottom rail must come to the top. And this is what you see. This is my son and all my children are products of the teaching of Elijah Muhammad. See, they should have left us in so-called Africa because what's coming on them is their end. We, the father of Elijah Muhammad, brother, don't even have to pick up a weapon. That's the beauty of it. Our greatest weapon is the mind, that seven-and-a-half-ounce brain that we possess. And our direct descendants being of the creator himself. Do you know the power that you possess within you, brother? No, you don't know because no one ever told you who you were. We were niggas, coons, and everything but a human being. Until the army Elijah Muhammad came, I remember we was Negro, Belayden, African-American, all type of individuals. We didn't know who the hell we was. But deep down inside, what they were calling me, I know the hell. I knew I wasn't that. There's no way the name that my parents gave me a hell, I won't even mention it. But it didn't match up with my thinking because I know I didn't look like that white boy was flying that kite and got struck by some electricity. I understand? So I wasn't looking for my own name. You know, but the beauty of teaching on Elijah Muhammad, everyone should come to it. It's even not, it's not even about religion anymore. It's about how you're living. It's about how you're thinking. Because life, see the black man. It's a sustainer of life. The whole key, brother, to me is how can you sustain life? How can you make it increase? How can you make life better? In this country, in this world, what we are taught on how to create and invent 
and invent things to destroy life. The black man has to be the giver of life, the sustainer of life, make life better for the human family on the planet Earth. That's our mission. So we instill that into our children the best we could. With the book, The Unrealized Muhammad, that's all you need, brother. But you got to be the example. And being the example is not easy. Sometimes you're going to fall, but you get up because you're a dead man walking. See, a dead man can't walk long by itself. You got to put something in the back to straighten that backside out so he can walk like a man. Hmm. You got to put something in that backside where you pull his pants up. You got to put something in that backside where you know how to say, yes, sir, and no, sir. You got to put something in his backside where he become a thinking man. At least think five times before you even open your mouth. And then you sit back and you think and then visualize on how I can make this world a better place for my people, first and foremost. We need something better for ourselves. So what we come down to decide is separation is the key. I'm not talking about you get on this side, I'm getting on this side. Mentally, we got to start separating. Long as they keep murderers in the streets of America, murders in their hospitals, miseducating us, making sissy punks and all this old crazy stuff they got going on social media. What the hell are you talking about? The God we represent is a masculine God, brother. We don't represent no punk fired God, period. You understand all this foolishness? And this, I'm going to make it plain. You know, when I speak like this, I don't hate anyone. We love all our people. But once you come amongst us, you can't stay the same. You got to change. When I came in, hell, I had to change. It didn't happen overnight. Hell, I failed, got back up, dust myself off. A couple times they had to come get me. You understand? But you continue to push forward and you get up because you got brothers around you. That's the, that brotherhood. The highest order in the universe is the brotherhood of man. So we need to start to develop that. I hear Jabril talk about it all the time, about the brotherhood. We need to put some order to our actions now. But the Muslims, the Nation of Islam is on the move now. These are executed that you see stepping out here now. All these young brothers I see on social media, they're reaching the minds of the people. Even you, brother, they're doing the interview. Something had to reach you. You understand? It's been a time where you wouldn't even have a brother even want to do this because they're worried about what their parents would say. You know, that cross got us in the hell of a cross. We're going to have to throw that away. We're going to have to throw away all this old, well, I want to say fake Islam, but it's not fake Islam that, you got a lot of Muslims on this planet Earth not practicing what they teach. We got to get on the square. We got to stand on that square. And I heard Minister Farrakhan say, which I agree with 100%, we're going to have to shed some blood. We shedding it innocently, innocently right now because they're murderers in the streets. They can pull the black woman out of the car and whoop the sister down. And they got all these gangsters in the community and talking all this big six talk, throwing all these signs and stuff. But this white boy murdering us and getting away with it because there's never a response. Mm -hmm. You know, I growed up, brother. Shit, you know, they jumped on our people when I growed up. But they, we gave them a response. You understand? It wasn't an overnight response. went on for months and months and months and months. You know, persecution took place. I see brother putting on this black. Brother, you know what you're doing? Can you handle that fire when it come down? Can you handle that fire when they come snatch you up and lock you up? You know, then the, the, that, that's the true test when that fire hits your butt. So you can sit up here and talk that talk all you want. But can you walk that walk? We're going to have to fight for our freedom. It begins on the inside. Kill this devil on the inside that was instilled in us in 1555 when they kidnapped us and brought us over to Jamestown, Virginia. That's holy tribe of Shabbat. We are holy people. He sure in the hell don't look holy anymore. So, getting back to your question, I got that from my son. <laughs> a little low with it. You understand? I got that for him, sure. You know, but, Jabril has always been a, a brother, you know, he always had his own way. All of them got their own way. From Yusuf, Jabril, Samad, Asian one. You got their beautiful sisters, Unisa, Kalima. I got all these jewels I got going on now. They in trouble now. The white man in America's in trouble. 
He should have left us alone. I got grandbabies that's coming up to free the land and free the people. That's what they're being brought on this planet Earth. They're not coming here to get a job. They're not coming here to go to Hollywood. They're coming here to take charge of their post and all temple property of you. They're coming to, to free us, brother. And that's my responsibility. I got to get to all of them there and drop them seeds because their grandmama been putting it in them. But the nine little bit masculinity need to come over. But Jabril has always been a good son, though. All my sons have been pretty good. You know, they plus they test their father. You know, like all of them that tested me, you know, I'm going to get that straight. Every last one of them that tested their father. You understand? One way or the other. But I couldn't get angry at them because I put it in them. I ain't raised no punks in the first place. You understand? But they all know, though, you cross the line, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it, brother. I ain't going to talk too much. Yeah, they man. Good, they good. They that's good. That's how they would have gone to monologue. Righteous, brother. You see where you get it from. What, how, how did you um, view your father when you were growing up? Like, did you have a sense of, you know, you didn't want to cross him? There's some healthy fear. How did you perceive him when you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, I think that was a, a good term you used, healthy fear. Um, mostly though, it was, it was more so not, I wouldn't say fear in that sense though. I think it was more so just respect because, um, I don't know from the stories that I would hear about pops, you know what I'm saying? And the respect that I see him get from his peers and the other brothers that he would teach. You know what I mean? There was a, a sense of seriousness at the same time, but then, um, there was also a sense of you glad that your father was tough because it was a sense of protection. You know what I mean? Like, I always knew that if somebody killed me, then Pops would get them. You know what I mean? And that's a that's a very, I think, for me, it was a very healthy way of thinking growing up, you know, in dangerous parts of different hoods. So, you feel me? I always thought that in the back of my head. Like, all right, if I went today, I know Pops, my brother, going to handle that even retribution for me. But, you know, um, Pops has an FOI. You know, we go to when I was younger, we go to the FOI classes. You know what I mean? And seeing pops drill the brothers, teach the brothers. You know what I mean? The respect that he got from the brothers, the healthy fear that they had from him. Um, just observing that, I think is what actually designed my interaction with him. Like if everybody else is respecting him and see him in his light, then I should too. You know what I mean? But then also, you know, he'd beat us with a broomstick if we got out of line. You know, back in the day. So I think that's what caused the healthy amount of later on, as he called it, testing them. But yeah, man, um, I know a lot about my father. So it was just a lot of respect growing up as a as a FOI teaching us that we were gods. I think it was a uh, you you it, it was it was a sense of pride. You know what I mean? Saying that yeah, that's my pops because I know he'd kill your ass. You know what I mean? Like for me, that's how I was thinking growing up. You know what I mean? And then at the same time, there was like a stern. Um, Thought process, but then, bruh, funny like me, you know what I'm talking about? It'd be stern as hell, but he know the proper handling of people, you know what I'm saying? So I remember one time, and this is just a funny story though, um, I was in high school and uh, there was this teacher, and I wasn't really passing the class like that. It was like an after school program, Upward Bound. And I remember I told him to look up this article on my pops, and the article was like, he read it and it was like, he, you would read the words, good day to die, and all kind of crazy stuff going on with the police or whatever. And I remember my teacher, which was a white guy at the time, he came back and he read the story. He was like, Jabril, why did you have me read that article? <laughs> and, you, you know, I didn't super consciously plan it out like I wanted him to be afraid after reading it. I actually had, was reading that article, and I thought it was something good for him to read in a sense, but I probably was, like, subconsciously plotting. So, long story short... That was the one particular program I got a certificate in. The rest of them, I didn't get nothing in. Now, I don't know because he was afraid of Pops, but I remember when they met, he shook hands and was smiling. He was kind of afraid. But I remember even have that ability to be able to kind of leverage your Pops' energy. You know what I mean? And life is something that I think a lot of boys and men are missing throughout life. And I think that every father has the responsibility of creating that kind of energy for their sons and then their sons giving them an aspirational energy to live up to if they have sons. Like, you want to be able to point to your father and know, like, nah, he ain't he ain't playing with you. You know what I mean? So, growing up with Pops, yeah, it was it was growing up with, like, a spook or legend at the same time. You know what I mean? But somebody that uh, 
he can go in there in a meeting of a bunch of different white folks and know how to handle them. But then he can be light with them, but they know that this lighthearted is just because I have nothing to prove, but you should take me very serious. And I learned that proper handling of people dealing with people myself. You know what I mean? Not having to go in there and be tough, brute, but any of your finesse and your proper handling of people, they can feel that energy to where, yeah, their brother kind of joke with me and he laughed with me, but that's really because, you know, behind closed doors, I shouldn't play with him and I should take him very serious. And it wasn't that type of serious where people didn't want to do business with you. It was that type of serious where, actually, I kind of want to do business with a man like that. You know what I mean? So I learned a lot just from that observation of thought. Your father mentioned the word, or he was talking about um, some of what he said, masculinity. Um, for you, did your opinion, or let me ask you this, how has your opinion of masculinity changed from like when you grew up, him being like a prime example and growing up and you know seeing in the community and around you and now you know mainstream media, what people try to say is different things and different labels. How does your definition of masculinity change then for you as well? Like, did your definition of masculinity what did your understanding of masculinity change once you had a ch once you had children? Did that you know have any change? Mm. Uh, for myself, um, I grew up around nothing but masculinity when I was younger. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, just from everybody that I was around, I just looked at them as like the epitome of what masculinity was, at least on the aspect of like the masculine side, not the balance of feminine. Right. So when I say that, like all the brothers I grew up around, they was they was killers. They were soldiers. They was gangsters. They was in the streets. They was Muslims. They were FOI. They were militant. And so the brothers that I grew up around, it was a prime example of, OK, that's what masculinity is, especially on the mentally tough and the physically tough aspect of it. And then the mental discipline that comes along with it. So I grew up seeing examples of masculinity right there. Not only that, the brothers did business. The brothers would check other brothers doing FOI class. You might get your ass beat for something that you did that you had to have a corrective action for. But then in FOI class, they had practiced, you know, energy moves and, and spirituality. You know what I mean? Then he had talked business, and then we would do militant drills. So we grew up in an actual very militant, disciplined household in that sense. But then we grew up in the streets. So you can see the wild behavior of uncorrected masculine energy without that discipline. So we got the ability to have this duality to see it on both sides. As I grew older and as I explored what masculinity is for myself, one of the things that I believe I had to start understanding was what was the feminine aspect of masculinity. And that allowed me to approach this thought process that Unobliged Muhammad always say, rise above emotions into the thinking of God. And I believe when you really approach masculinity, you have to understand what that means. Because that feminine aspect that I'm a, I'm a designer, right? So designing and art is a feminine, because anything dealing with expression is feminine, right? So emotions is feminine. So understanding that aspect of self allows you to have this balance, right? But growing up around nothing but men and the sense of where we was in the mosque or was at the temple or was at the your black Muslim bakery, that didn't give me the example of what it meant to uh, express yourself, you know what I mean, and interpret that emotional aspect of self. So I believe that there was an imbalance until I started to figure that out and correct that for myself and really go into a deeper analysis of what I was taught, what aspects of it that may not have been the balance that I needed for that, what I call divine masculinity, which is that higher mind, you know what I mean? So today efforts of society's agenda always talk about masculinity without any substance. They don't talk about the agenda being masculinity with the characteristics of loyalty, honesty, uh, integrity, a uh, hard worker, you know what I mean, uh, uh, a willful thinker. Um, none of these things that have any substance behind it. They try to shapeshift masculinity into something, you know what I mean? But they never put any real corrective definitions behind it to say that this is something you should aspire to be as becoming a man. And today we see a lot of conversation built around toxic masculinity, which is really the conversation is toxic femininity. Because what happens in a man is his lack of understanding his feminine side, right? Not his lack of understanding his masculine side. And with that, he has less control over it, so he can't rise above his emotions into the thinking of a guy. So therefore, a brother that's more feminine will want to shoot you faster than he'll want to fight you. You understand me? Because he, he don't have that 
masculine balance with his feminine aspect to be able to even correctively deal with his own fears and approach that and deal with his own emotions and get over his own ego. So there's a lot that goes into it. But I'm going to say this last thing on this is that society right now is dealing with a lot of the sex trafficking talk, right? And our culture plays a part in our own oppression consistently. So if you look at female rap and men rap, all that shit is is like a soundtrack to self sex trafficking culture. Pimping is a soundtrack to sex trafficking culture. When I was about 16 years old, my brother had me working for uh, his position as a security guard. He gave me his suit. It was big as hell. I'm like 16, and I'm working at this middle school. Now, some of the students up to like 14 years old, so they almost my age. You know what I mean? But in that particular area in North Oakland, one of the things we had to stop was the pimps from preying on the younger girls, right? So you got brothers 18, 17, 20 years old. They trying to recruit the young girls for sex trafficking. That's all pimping is, you know what I mean? So I remember at a young age having that thought process like, damn, I got to go protect these women because there's brothers out here really preying on them. And these niggas didn't really grow up with a viable example. They think the shit cool, right? And everybody else is validating a sense of legitimacy with that coolness, saying that, yeah, I'm a pimp, I do this. That's what Oakland is. That's what Frisco shit is. We we had security accounts on High Street that we used to, that was right there on the host road where all that shit is sex trafficking. So understanding that, my mom always told me that, you know, she was, she was the harshest with the pimp and shit. She would say, you know, pimps are faggots. That's what she always say growing up because she said basically they didn't have no love for women. You know what I mean? And so I remember thinking that. And so when you think about it in Atlanta, there's a lot of men out there. That's, that's, come on, there ain't no love for women out there for real. You understand me? And so in high places where sex trafficking is happening, you know, Vegas, San Francisco, Oakland, uh, Houston, all of those areas where pimping is being spread and our culture celebrates this shit. And now the women propagate it. Right, because their whole approach is, well, they was treating us like hoes, so instead we're going to empower ourselves with how they treated us, and we're going to take that now. So now we're going to talk about the whole shit instead, because y'all had y'all turn to do it. So instead of them aspiring, because a lot of them basically want to become the thing that oppressed them, right? So they never become diversion. They always say, think like a man, but they don't think like a divine masculine man or a healthy one. They think like the direct one that they disliked or the one that treated them wrong. So this is where society has this overview to where we actually curate sex trafficking culture. And then the same entities, those masculine, divine masculine, FOI and brothers that would be there to protect you are not celebrated. Not until you die like Nipsey Hussle. Nipsey Hussle was an example of divine masculinity. And the world celebrated that, right? You even had some LGBT people tried to come against him saying that, you know, he was anti-LGBT or something for something he said. Some crazy crap. But when you think about that, if society is not celebrating the NOI, right, and the FOI, then it's hard for you to say, I need y'all to step up and protect me when the rest of the year, y'all saying, no, nah, get back. We don't, we don't rock with y'all because we want to stand next to white women and gay white men. And those are the greatest covert agents against masculinity in the black community because when the black man stands on his throne into his divine masculinity, the rest of the world sees that as an example. And by the rest of the world, I mean the African and black diaspora around the world because they take their cue and influence from us. So growing up, masculinity to me was just, it was just the tough part. It was the physical, the mentally, physical, uh, mental and the physical, but it didn't really have no spiritual aspect within it that, I didn't understand until I had to groom that for myself and learn how to treat women the correct way and, you know what I mean, things of that nature. That, that's something I'm still growing within. And I think that all men have to go through that development of looking back at their early years and figuring out which of those things that they need to, you know, uh, 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 um, do away with and deconstruct from the things that they learned possibly from their uncles, fathers, brothers, peers, society, movies, media, whatever, music, whatever it may be. So, yeah. Masculinity when I was younger was, you know, tough kind of militants, gangster. Today, you know, it's understanding a different aspect of the the, the, the militants, but marrying that with, you know, uh, cultivating an emotional understanding and knowing yourself because that allows you to understand women. And that's the ultimate vote of masculinity is one, not only having the ability to protect themselves, but protecting a woman mentally, physically, spiritually as well. So, you know, that's my thought process. Do you have any changes in 
your understanding of masculinity as you had kids and as time went on and they got older? Did your perceptions and understanding of masculinity change for you at all? Was that a question to me, bro? Say it again. Was that to me? Yeah, for you. I ain't got no kids, yeah. Well, to me, masculine has always been the same. For the wide awake man, it's all the same. It probably changed a little bit, not very much with, with having children, brother, but, you know, I think about, as a man, how to obtain power to change our condition. Hmm. That's what a man thinks. A man that want to be free, I'm not worried about the Raiders, not worried about LeBron. I ain't even worried about the party. And you sit back, you think like a general, how we can set up our own country. How can we set up a city? This is the way the black man got to start thinking because the planet Earth belonged to us. Well, we thinking like boys. We just want to get some shiny objects and play with them. Men don't do that. We have to set the earth, the planet earth, so-called earth, it's really called Asia. You know, we the Asiatic black man, the maker, the owner, the cream of the planet earth, the god of the universe. So that bottom rail got to come to the top now. We've been down too long. That's masculine thinking. When we have conditions in our community and we study keeping hope alive, that's not masculine. We have to find solutions to our problem and move on them. Masculine to me is this, brother, where you learn how to manifest thoughts and make them into reality. That's masculine. Because that's your ability as a man. Mm. Thoughts are things. Everything you see in this room, everything you see on the outside was once a thought in the mind of a man. So how did it get here? You got to go to work. You got to put it in. You got to put the time in. You got to put the effort in. See, we got to start thinking like that Asiatic black man, that original man. Our creator, the director, center of the creator himself. You don't know your father. You know the one at the house? Maybe. But if you know your real father, see, like, Jabril got part of my DNA in him. Some of the things that I want to do or want for this planet and for our people. The hell, it's coming out in him. I love it. Thoughts are things, brother. If you can think it, you can achieve it. You know, Dr. Bay is my spiritual father and teacher. He taught us about the precepts. And the precepts was how to give thought, give attention, put color to that thought. You got to see it. You understand? And how to put attention to it, put something on the wall, remind you of it every day if necessary. Mm -hmm. Then how to manifest it. Have developed that willpower. See, a lot of times, you can want something. A lot of times, you don't even have to leave the house. Mm. Project that will. See, those are things that we we lacking. That's masculine to me. I'm not talking around around here with all these. I'm gonna just let that alone because everybody knows the story, brother. Right. We got to change the way we look at masculinity. Why we have open enemy now? trying to teach you another form of masculinity. Mm. Well, every time they see a black man, they act like they're afraid mm. of us. And I always look at psychology behind that. Now, if you don't gave us 400 years of hell, we've been in hell. We ain't had to die to go to hell. We living in it. And every time I see one of y'all tripping, like we gonna do something to you, hell, the, the harm has already been done. Y'all done... Y'all done hurt us. Our people are sick right now. We still suffering. So masculine to me is, let's solve the problem. Let's bring about a change. That's why you see these young brothers talking about paradigm shift. Hell, the shift is taking place full force. You understand? That's why I say it. 
after Honorable Elijah Muhammad come to execute us now, we all over. That's masculine. We want complete change, brother. And we're not racist. Racist hell. Why could y'all even accuse us of being racist? All the problems and stuff you have did to us. So when you had a black man thinking about change, all of a sudden we racist, but we got to call you by your name. We got to identify you. And it's very easy because our people used to not believe what the Muslim had to say. But now Almighty God Allah and the person Master Muhammad is putting it dead in your face. The Muslim was right all along. Only one that's going to lead this planet Earth, brother, is the Muslims. The father of Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Honorable Elijah Muhammad say this. See, we don't buy into that foolishness they got coming out of Mecca, so-called Mecca in Saudi Arabia. Honorable Elijah Muhammad say, it'll be a time when you see every black man, woman, and child will be a Mecca unto themselves. That's masculine. That's what we want to get back to. We want to fight our way back to ourselves, our natural self. When I say a prayer, I say Allah destroy the devil on the inside first. Well, I know you got the one on the outside already in your sights. You understand? Now, that's masculine thinking, brother. Mm. I hope that answers your question, brother. Uh, brother, I want you to look towards your father and say um, what you appreciate about him or what you're proud of that he instilled in you. Um. <laughs> you know, he was masculine. <laughs> no, but uh, um, I don't probably do no eye to eye, but um, I appreciate my pops for teaching me how to be a god. You know what I mean? At a very early and young age, the fact that he told us that we were gods allowed me to have a foundation to build myself on. You know what I mean? And it became. Um, a GPS in case I ever got lost in the world to guide myself back to Godhood, you know. And for the example he set as being a man, and it's in my eyes to where he had a strong warrior and militant spirit because the goal, I think, for any son is try to figure out how they can go as far and then further than their father to continue the legacy that their father had set. So if he didn't set a mountain of a legacy, then I will have nothing to go farther than. I will have nothing to aspire to. So I appreciate you for setting a godly example, allowing me to become a black god myself. I appreciate that though, son. Yes, sir. I would assume you're proud of your son, all he's been able to do, all the places he's traveled to. Um, he's been speaking to people, inspiring people, doing great work. Is there anything that you hope for him in his future um, as he moves forward in his career and, and doing everything he's doing? Is there anything that you specifically hope that he does um, if he's not doing that already? Well, I try not to use that word hope because every time I use that, it made me think about Jesse Jackson. <laughs> Keep hope alive. Hell, we, 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 this ain't about hope, brother. No, I just pray that he stay with Allah. And the person master of Muhammad and the messenger, stay on that track, stay on that right path. Because the challenges are just beginning. The further you go, the, the steeper the challenges are going to be. But there's nothing that I hope for for my son. Just keep doing what you're doing. Take it as far as you can, and he ain't got to worry about it. We got his back. He ain't out here by himself. He covered anywhere on this planet Earth. We got him. You understand? That's what the world needs to know. You ain't moving by yourself, but his greatest helper is a lie in the person Masharad Muhammad. Stay on that right path. I don't care what type of fire you get put in. If it's Allah's will, you're going to come through it. That's all he needs to know. Because Allah is in, in, in motion today, brother. This is what you're seeing. This is the move of against our open enemy now. And the whole beauty of it is unite our people. Bring us together as one. 
so we can move on down this road. And so one day, our grandchildren will sit back and they'll be talking when the new world come in and they'd be having a conversation about how this world was. And they'd be amazed. You mean, the world really was like that? Yeah, it was. I'd be the grandpa sitting up there letting them know. <laughs> you understand? Because we're going to change this world, brother. And I want him to be a part of it. He's doing his job. We all got a job to do. You doing your part today for putting this out on social media. We on the move, brother. We getting ready to, we getting ready to take charge of this whole planet Earth. It's ours. We want it back. And we want to raise the human family back to its divine state of being. Slavery, suffering, and death. We want it off the face of the planet Earth. Hunger. Nobody should have to go hungry on this planet, brother. Nobody should have to live up under violence. The black man in America working for 400 years in this country, living up under damn violence. You got the black woman in a damn tent. You got an old senior citizen woman sitting on the side of the curb, the leg all swollen up, same age as my mother that passed. Oh, no. Change has got to take place. So all you so-called gangsters and you so-called killers, step up then. I'm not telling you go out there and murder nobody. You need to start taking charge of your community. Give you an example. I'm going to let it alone. The brother that came up with the water machine to get the moisture out the air. See, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad gave us that key a long time ago. How you make rain. How rain is made. Through the evaporation of the moisture that goes up into the air and sits in the sky. See, he, he took that information where he took it from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and now I don't know. But the Honorable Elijah Muhammad gave it to us and he was able to produce water. Took the machine to Flint, Michigan. They sabotaged it. Mm. So what are the brothers in the hood at? What are the soldiers at? Brother, this is helping your babies. This is helping your wife. This is helping your mother, your auntie, your cousin, your uncle. They poisoned the water and flint on purpose. Now you got a black man that brought the machine. They want to sabotage it. No, brother, y'all step up. Protect it. Anything come around messing with that machine, you know what to do. You got to protect your rights. And that's masculine, brother. You know, I want to say something on that. Um, I remember I called Pops for some advice before. I was when I had a job back in the day. And I was dealing with co-workers. And it was a new space for me to be able to deal with. And I asked him, because I was frustrated with the way that I was dealing with it. And um, he gave me one piece of advice. That at first I thought, I was like, man, that's some lazy advice, man. And then I thought over it. He said, you know what? Just be FOI. And I was like, man, that's it. <laughs> but when I thought about it, and I thought about the studying and the training that mm -hmm. I had, and what that advice meant, that's and right. how I utilize that guide of advice even today, because I don't think people know what the characteristics and the training that it goes into becoming and what an FOI mm -hmm. is, right. and how you handle people, how you handle yourself, and that line of righteousness that you walk. And I think that, to me, was very simple, but was probably the greatest advice that I ever got in a moment to where it was wisdom. Because if you instill it in your child, then you can always tell them what to go back to. But if you never put nothing in them, then it's hard for you to direct them to where, you know, uh, they should be. You understand me? So if you start early and you put it all in them, then you tell them to go back to what I taught you. But if you put nothing in them, then it's hard for you to guide them because you have to start and build it up from where you are. So I think that's an important aspect of parenting, fatherhood, motherhood, whatever it is. You got to give these young boys a foundation. You understand me? So they find themselves lost. You tell them to go back to that foundation so they can find their way again. Well, to speak on the FOI, you know, that's the fruit. That's the military wing of the nation of Islam. That's the best part of the tree. Honorable Elijah Muhammad was giving those instructions. General Officer Masparad Muhammad, Allah in the person. And we must, once you get trained of FOI, the fruit of Islam, there's no limitations on you as far as righteousness and doing right. That's why I told my son, be FOI. You've been trained in all aspects of life. From business, 
the economics, the warfare, whatever. You got it all now. Just use what you got. That's all you need. That's what the black man, we need all men's academy in our communities to get our young men trained up the proper way so they can get up out of their emotions, learn how to think five times before they react. You know, and have goals, the self-sustaining goals, where you protect your community. See, see, see they don't want us to, um, to change over, to flip over. Just like the dailies in Chicago. See, they had an Irish mob in those days. So they decided to get up out of the gang activity and go into the political aspect of it and go into the business aspect of it and switch over. When you had Larry Hoover and you had the main 21 in Chicago and you had the brother, now I think his name is uh, Gator Wallace, when they tried to move into politics, they were shut down. They don't want the black man to move into a righteous path. They want to keep murdering, maiming, and killing one another keep sending in these drugs and keep us divided. The only game they show in the movies and on these YouTube stations is a drug game. Is you crazy? You think that's all we know? The only way we know how to get money? But they keep throwing that out there. That's why they got these young brothers. And I'm going to tell you this, brother. So they locked up all the leadership and put them in behind bars. And they had all these young soldiers on the street running wild, broke up in their sets. They had some of the leadership that was locked down. I'm talking about in Illinois. See, I got locked up in, in 19, fighting with the police, three counts of aggravated battery because we were putting it down. We didn't have no choice. And uh, so it was new for me when I came in. I seen all these so-called chiefs. I'm going to call the one Ram and, and uh, Thunder and all these cats, Blackstone and one disciple. You had the Moor, you had the Latin Kings and all these cats. You know, but some of the chiefs were snitches. Mm. They they working with the warden. We locked up at night. They bringing brothers down from Chicago to the real soldiers. They gonna lock them so far up in the prison, you don't even know they're in there. But they had these individuals standing there when they get off the bus, pointing them out. So we got leadership that shouldn't even be in leadership. You understand? That's what's going on in Chicago right now. All of this being perpetrated by the United States government, brother. We don't manufacture no guns at all. No bullets at all. How are these weapons getting into our community? That's a good question. Mm. You know. Ask yourself that. Well, who are they being pointed at? Brother, we have been in confrontation with the government where they sent people from different parts of this country, brother and sent them to attack us. One was out of Detroit, one out of Oakland, one out of Chicago. And they sent them to the town. They murdered my best friend. You understand? They murdered him. They locked us up. They killed some of the sisters that was down with us, fighting in the movement and stuff. You just don't know this beast that you're dealing with. You understand what I'm saying? So we had to make a complete change. All these problems taking place in these major cities and all this murder, it's being perpetrated, brother. You know, the black man, we doing a bunch of foolish stuff out here, but the nation is on the move. See, we go to the streets. I took my son to the streets. When we went out to the dangerous neighborhoods, y'all got to go. We going to, of course, they was protected. We took them to meet high officials, governors, attorney general, police chief. They was in the meeting, dressed up, suited, and booted. Only thing they had to do is sit on the square, just don't open your mouth, listen and learn. You understand? This is the way you prepare your children for the future. You got to tell them the truth of what's taking place in this country. You can't sugarcoat and tell them to grow up, get a good job, get a good education. Everything going to be all right. You see, that ain't working no more. That lie, you can tell the people, tell your children the truth of what they're going to have to face when they come out to your house. You understand? We raised our children. Some of them went to college. One of my sons went to college at 15. Uh, my daughter, Vaisha, she graduated at 17. He made an Asian one, go back to school, do another year, and he beat his sister out, you understand, just so they can go to school together. So when they left home, that's when the problems start, though. When your children leave home, they went off to college with all that food. They were banging in, they banging in college, brother. 
damn, y'all banging up in here? Got to go down and check on them. All this old foolishness. So you got to stay on top of your children, bro, but you got to teach them the truth. And the first thing we taught our children to sign on the law was who they were. You take your child and hold them by the hand and walk with them. Just like my grandfather did when he taught me. You understand that? They're the Asiatic black man, the maker, the owner, the cream of the planet Earth, God of the universe. And you make them repeat it. You understand? So that's their foundation. You got to have a foundation because if you don't have that foundation, you just walk like walking in quicksand. We don't know who the hell we are. We don't know what the hell to think. We don't even know what to do. That's why they got us switching and all type of stuff now, brother. We don't know if we should bend over, stand up now. We be having a conversation about masculinity. What the hell is feminine masculinity? Only thing I see feminine masculinity is when I see a sister wearing combat boots, brother. <laughs> that's it. That's what I call feminine masculinity. Not to disrespect nobody, but that's the way I think when I see that. That's the only masculine, feminine masculinity to me. Ain't no brother got no business running around here with that type of mindset. Not in the condition yeah. that we in. But I'll tell everybody, brother, for all those naysayers out there that, you know, we got one man in this country that I know of now that's standing up for the black man in America, speaking truth to power. And I love the brother. He wasn't my spiritual father. But I love him. And that's Brother Master Farrakhan. Because sometimes he say some stuff I would like to say. Openly so that everybody can hear it. So everyone should support Brother Master Farrakhan. You brothers should support the nation of Islam because we the only ones that got your back. Whether you know it or not. We support people and go to jail for people that don't even know us. True. They won't even put $5 on the books. Because they don't know we there for them fighting. They just go with anything they put in the media and run with it. Because, oh, I thought, that, oh, man, y'all got to get up off of that. Don't be spoon-fed by your open enemy. Agreed. I'm going to leave it alone like that, brother. Um, I mean, even, I, I want to say, just uh, veggie back on that. When you see the FOI in the streets, you know, and when you think about protecting the community, you want those brothers there. When you talk about having the sisters feel safe, when you see them brothers out there, if you're not supporting them brothers, how can they continue to be out there in the streets, even though they still there? Those are the brothers you want to support. Those are where you should send your son. Somebody asked me that question in the UK, you know, what do I think is the best thing for black men to do? And I'm telling them, I'm not the answer. The nation Islam is the answer. You know what I mean? That's where you go and turn your young boys into gods. You're talking about young men who, some of them even virgins, and the first time they had sex was with their wives, right? Because they've been groomed and conditioned to start black families, this is one of the most beautiful things that's happening in America that's that right. gets no media attention at all. But if we go propagate the ignorant, we have to propagate the greatness. You know what I'm talking about? So when you want to talk about where the aspects of the greatest version of masculinity is coming out, being produced by the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and led by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and have a structure within the nation of Islam... If you have a problem and you don't want to see your sons turn into what the world is trying to make them, send them to the nation of Islam. I'm not the example. The nation of Islam is. That's right. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to lead people to understand, for one, what's the contrast? Because either you're going to be on this side or you're going to be on that side. And I know everybody wants to live in this intersected consciousness to where you want to take the views of white women and gay white men and intersect that into your mindset. And therefore, it's hard for you to take advice from masculine men like ourselves, but you have to understand, for one, that's not us. That doesn't come from us. That's not our ancestry. That's not our nature. That's not our line. And everywhere I go across the planet Earth, that's what I see is some of the greatest covert agents of white supremacy is the gay white man and the white woman. And now they have taken the place of minorities. So now the you have to look at when the masculine man, the only person that we've ever had as an ally has been the black woman, right? So now what they do is they take our ally and they throw her in the mix. So now the black woman is, in, of course, within the women's rights mix and the LGBT mix. And the only person that's left out of that is the straight black masculine man. So now we don't even have our allies, our partners in war fighting for our rights together. So we have to understand the strategicness of these agendas and how they've been worked. 
So now not only is we want the black woman over here in this feminism to masculize yourself and not be feminine, we don't want the black man to even be masculine at all. So now these energies can never come together because in between us, if we don't agree with everything that the white woman and the gay white man uh, uh, upsets as far as their views and their ideologies, then we can't even talk to our women anymore. And so now they're in between our greatest ally that makes us gods. Because without the black woman, a black man can't become a god. So they taking our God maker and they putting her in their agenda. So we have to be careful and you have to understand how deep these things are rooted. And only in America, I believe we have some of the worst consciousness that so much shit is on top of our thinking that it's hard for us to build a real foundation. I'm going to leave off with this. When, if they want to build a fourth industrial uh, revolution anywhere on the planet earth, if they say if you want to build all solar in America and everything is electrical, that means they have to deconstruct everything the way that it is, and then they have to build on top of that foundation and integrate. It's going to be much harder in places that's already advanced. If you go to a third world civilization where they don't have electricity, it'll be easier to install those solar panels and have everybody on this new industrial age. So when you think about the mindset of black people in America, we have so much infrastructure on the top of our head, so much interconnected uh, consciousness and intersected consciousness that when it's time for you to add on that God thinking, you got to strip yourself of everything else first. You understand me? But when I go out to Africa and I talk to them about this, they can understand it a little uh, 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 um, quicker. They, they Their mind is more fertile, right? Because they have less intersectedness. You understand me? With everybody else's thought process, ideologies, viewpoints of gender and things of that nature. So they can easily understand, oh yeah, black man, we're black women. We got to take over, get our land back. Yeah, let me take that easily. I go to the UK. I'm having a conversation in a room with black people. They can automatically understand it because they don't have the white man and the white woman in their ear and the gay white man and the gay white woman and the feminist white woman and every other person in their mindset. So they can just hear a black man based on his nature that attaches to their DNA. It's less infrastructure that you got to build on. So you have to first deconstruct. And when we talk about separate, you have to separate yourself from everyone else thinking. And ask yourself if the black man ran the world. Because we don't run this current world. Right? This is their world. So if we ran the world, what would the agendas be then? How would the schools be taught? How would the media be led? How would the politics be ran? How would the culture be ran? Because currently, if we don't run it, then that means everything's coming out of it is coming from that majority rule. So if you continue to perpetuate their evolution, then you continue to be a tool in your own oppression. So you have to get back down to the essence of that masculine and that feminine nature. And the one thing that we should definitely think about owning, not even think about it, 2020 is year of ownership. You know what I mean? Where we got to get deeds, we got to get titles, we got to get masters, we have to get patents, we have to get trademarks, LLCs. We have to get all of those things that establish ownership. Because when you want to talk about power, the only way you can have real power is if you have ownership and control. The South African don't have power because they don't own their land, but they're trying to do a land summit. We don't have power because we don't own hip-hop, yet it is the only tool for universal universal communication across the entire planet that can have everybody on the same spectrum of thinking. When I go to the UK, they all listening to, to hip-hop, grime. You understand me? Uh, uh, reggaeton, whatever it may be. I go to the UK, hip-hop, grime. You understand me? I go to uh, Africa, hip-hop, grime. I say, damn. I asked the one brother, I said, how did you learn about Mr. Farrakhan and Malcolm X and the leaders? He said, honestly, I heard it through hip-hop. Hmm. I would hear them kept saying certain names and then I Mm -hmm. researched it and I said, damn. And then when you go around, you say, the only thing we using this greatest tool that we've ever had for is nigga shit. So the frequency is very low. So when you go out there, they want to greet you, my nigga. And they think that's a real term of endearment, but coming from an African, it almost sound the same coming from a white man, because I know that embedded in that is nothing but ignorance. You understand me? I want to go out there and they greet and they be like, what's up, God? Because that's the language. But that God talk has been stripped out of hip hop, even though it started off with the God talk. It changed over to this new Jesus is king shit. You know what I'm talking about? And so you have to understand even when we own hip hop, that was at the beginning. But we don't own it no more. Jewish corporations and entities own it. You understand me? So if we don't own our 
most powerful tools on the planet Earth, then they can control the narrative of how we think and the frequency of how we think on the entire planet Earth. And this is a very, very important thing to understand. So 2020 is year of ownership. I want every artist, don't even put out nothing unless you own it. Because guess what? Once we own it, we can make that value and we can empower each other. If you own your masses, that's the only thing I'm streaming because now you go get rich quick. So the moment we own everything, I'm talking about all your intellectual property. I'm talking about real estate. I'm talking about everything. Because that can be the thing that we push as the most valuable. If you own it and we stream it a billion times, cool, you getting paid. But if you don't own it, we just empower somebody else's community to continue to keep us down. Man, that's what I got for you today. That's the message. 2020 year of ownership, man. Get on the wave. Work with each other. Collaboration is the highest form of unity. Not talking about unity. Because a lot of these brothers, everybody want to be the boule. You know what I mean? The one that's being picked but then don't want to work with your brother. Everybody wants to be a part of these new agendas to where... You know, like Sean King puts out something, everybody shine the petition, and it's beautiful because it showcases what unity can be done. But those same people wouldn't sign a petition to help out their family or their peers. You understand me? So we're not going that hard for each other on things that can empower us because that's looking at something when it's too late. The brother was almost about to get executed, and then we jump on it. What about that average black man or woman that you walk past every single day that has a dream, that has a goal, that has an idea before the system even gets near to them, before things even get dire? We have to continue to look at the value of each other's lives and petition for each other every single day so we can empower each other. Because even when that brother get out, if we're not the one giving them a job, then he has to go to the one who has the power. And the one who has the power is the one who controls the workforce. So it's up to us to learn how to empower each other, learn how to empower our families by learning how to hire each other and things of that nature. That's why ownership is key. And that's why 2020, we're cutting out the liabilities. We're cutting out the bullshit. You know what I'm talking about? And we get down to business. Make this the year where you sacrifice. Make this the year where you create ownership groups where you got five to ten people. They putting up $1,000, 500 200 a month. And y'all figuring out how y'all can get some land acquisition. Y'all figuring out how y'all can do things that's going to reverberate for the next generation for the next 100 years. Because if we don't become planners, then we caught in a plan. And God's supposed to be the best of planners. That's right, brother. And it starts now. That's right. I said a lot right there. Well, I would just like to say, brother, on unity, <clears throat> sometimes you can teach unity, especially if you're an owner. That comes along with the program, too, but we don't own nothing. Give you an example. From your black Muslim bakery, see, you, you had to have unity in the bakery. For instance, if a man work in the oven, a room-sized oven, you got sweet rolls coming out on the rack. And that means somebody's going to have to take them sweet rolls and dump them on the table. Then you got another man come behind him and flip them over. Then you got another man come behind him with the glaze. You're going to glaze them. Then you got another man, an individual, come behind him, pick them off the table, put them in the rack, take them to the back for them to cool. Then after they cool down, you got another individual going to come and wrap them. Then you got another individual that's going to put the labels on them. You see how ownership creates unity? But we had a lot of people that work for us. Well, for the 8, 9, 10, 12 hours they were there, they were Muslims because they acted and behaved the same way as the Muslims in the bakery. So that eventually stayed with you when you go out that door if you come in every day, brother. You know, pretty soon that drop of water started to grow into a little pond. Your conversation becomes a little bit different. So we had to get in the ownership, brother, and separate the way we look at things, the way we think. The way we do business, you know, we we, we, we tired of integration. And I say this is the last thing is that Muhammad Elijah Muhammad told us the last and greatest trick that our enemy, enemy would use on us to bring to not the divine man would be the woman. That's what you see taking place all across this country now. You see brothers that getting accused of sexual assaults, whether they're guilty or not, I don't know. But they're using our own woman. Or they use their woman to come against you to bring the black man down. Because the black man is the divine man. You understand? But he's so far away from his divinity. So when you go look in that mirror, all he's seeing in his reflection is what he's been hearing in his echo. Mm. A nigga. Mm. But if you come around the nation, they're going to tell you who you is, brother. You a God. You a God. 
You are God. You are God. You are God. What that mean? Power and force. It's just that simple. It ain't no spookism. We lack power, and we damn sure don't even have the force to control and run our own home. Black man is God. Start thinking like a God. Start behaving like a God. So once you think that away, brother, there's no way you can have a debate on feminine masculinity, brother. Because everything comes from the masculine to the feminine. Because the life source comes through man, through the womb of a woman. Without man and woman, there would be no life. But the life source belongs to man. So I'm leaving, brother. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. It's been 19 Keys with my pops, Bashir Muhammad. No, let me just break it all the way down. Bashir okay. Farad Muhammad, named by Master Abdullah. Those, they thought he was Master Farad Muhammad at one time, but he died. <laughs> I, mean, I, I knew this. I knew Master. I knew his it wife. It was just the way he said it at the end, man. But I'm that's not laughing truth. at the fact that the brother died. I had to say it because Master Farad Muhammad is alive and well. Yes, sir. Tap in, so they can't use that no more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it's been a pleasure. Peace. All right, bro. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For ninety dollars more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For hundred and thirty more, you'll be a swole member. And for just three hundred dollars more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.